we went Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Shirley You Can't Be Serious podcast. We are back with part two of our comparison of the movie National Lampoon Vacation and the movie The Great Outdoors. Hey, D, guess what? What? I podcast and I French kiss. So everybody does that. Yeah, but Daddy says I'm the best at it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys. We are here. I've got the waste paper basket over my head. I've got some tennis rackets in my hands. And Jason is over here bare ass. (laughs) I mean, bare, bare ass. It's a bare, bare ass. (laughs) You ever bop your baloney? (laughs) How do you use a magazine? You know what you do when you get in trouble? What's that? You let go of the rope. (laughs) <laughs> Let go of the rope. <laughs> That's right. That uh, that ski jumping scene went on for about 12 minutes. It was great. <laughs> it it's was funny. Great. It was funny. Whoever the stuntman was, being John Candy for that one, there deserves all of the money that he got on that deal. Yeah, that was good. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm alive. I'm alive. <laughs> Guys, can't wait to talk a little bit more about these two movies. We're going to talk today about the music. We're going to talk today about the cars. We're going to talk today about maybe some boats. And we are going to talk about our final judgment as to which of these two movies are the best. It's going to be awesome. I've got some funny scenes I want to talk about with you. Yeah. And we're just kind of we're just going to kind of road trip it through this episode, man. Yeah, listen, guys, this is going to be a good time. You may not know a good time, even if it fell out of the sky and landed on your face and started to wiggle. I'm just telling you right now, this is a good time. All right. All right. So, D, remind us, when did you see these movies for the first time? Uh, I saw both of these in the theater. Seven years old, 1983. I'm watching Beverly D'Angelo take a shower. Monumental moment. And then, uh, yeah, I remember going and watching The Great Outdoors uh, in 88 and just absolutely loving it. Yeah. So we are going through our summer of 1988. Now, this doesn't fit perfectly, but 1983 was National Lampoon's Vacation. That's turning 40 this summer. And The Great Outdoors was June 17th of 1988. It's turning 35 or just last just week turned, turned 35. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, this will be one of our 1988 summer movies. So both of these movies have some very memorable vehicles in them. The memorable vehicle, I mean, number one, he had, I believe it was a Cherokee, a Jeep Cherokee Wagoneer that that they were driving. Remember, hey, Bear, yeah. you want a Zagnut? And yeah. then climbs. So that was okay, right? Right. But you got the boat. You got the, the suck my wake boat. Suck my wake. Oh, man. I, I can't tell you how many boats that have come by that I'm like, if I had that boat. I'd name it Suck My Wake. <laughs> hey, you know, Dan Aykroyd does something in that scene that I didn't appreciate as a kid, uh-huh. but I do as a dad, uh-huh. right? So they're talking about which boat they're going to take out there, and John Candy's got this perfect vacation for his kids, already mapped out, already planned. He's got a couple of intruders on his vacation, right? and he's like, no, 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 we're getting a pontoon boat, and we're going to you know, just put around the lake and have a good time. We're going to fish and eat and relax. Yeah. And Dan Aykroyd's, no, 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 you, you want to you want the, the, you know, suck my wake, you know, and uh-huh. ask the kid, what do you want? You want a rocket or you want to, and the kid's like, yeah, I want a rocket. Yeah. As a dad, now I'm like, you son of a, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. The memorable vehicle from vacation, though. Yes. Is the Wagon Queen family truckster. Metallic P. The Metallic P. I'm sorry. Metallic P. Yes. Sorry. It was supposed to be Antarctic Blue. Ah, the right. super sports wagon with the, uh. 
Optional rally fun back. You think you hate it now? Wait till you drive. <laughs> so I, I mentioned last episode that I was going to give you a little bit of a story there. I may have built it up too much. This may buy, uh, this may be a letdown, but here you go. All right, okay, you ready? I'm ready. So this car was actually a uh, a modified version of a real car. It was the Ford LTD Country Squire, right? Okay. So they hired a guy whose specialty was modifying cars, and his name was George Barris. He designed the Munster coach and the Dragula from the, the TV series The Munsters. Okay. He designed the original 1966 Batmobile. Get out of here. I am not kidding. He designed Kit from Knight Rider. He designed the convertible version and the, the Super Pursuit version. Okay. This guy was known in Hollywood as, if you need a car modified, this is the guy you go to, George Barris, right? Yeah. And he's got a whole company that does this. Well, you have mentioned to me watching about the DeLoreans in this new series that's out called Expedition Unknown, it's right? It's fantastic, man. And he, this, the guy in that series is trying to find all of the original, were they like eight? Seven. Seven original DeLoreans that they used in the movie Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3. Right. And so George Barris, 10 years after number three comes out, he restores one of those originals, right? And then a little while later, he makes his own replica DeLorean time machine yeah. from like a stock DeLorean. Right. And he starts to use that to promote himself and his company. And for like the next seven years, is like got posters with this thing where he's saying, I modify cars until Universal sends him a cease and desist letter because he's making it look like he was the guy that designed the original DeLorean time machine. I don't know why. I, I, I mean, you designed the original Batmobile. Go with that. You don't need to That's true. have the DeLorean time machine. That's but, true, yeah. But yeah, they, they had to say, hey, you got to cut that out. But turns out, I mean, this is 11 years ago. He had the number one Batmobile. He owned it. Owned that number one Batmobile. Wow. Sold it in 2012 for $4.6 million. Wow. Yeah. That is really cool. That's a great story, man. I, I like it. I like it. So he does all these cool cars, and then he's got the one single ugliest car you've ever seen in your entire life. <laughs> yeah. The truckster. You know, Harold Ramis, when they brought it to him, made it metallic P with brown paddling and stuff, he thought, we may have gone too far. They literally killed the station wagon industry. I mean, the, the station wagon sales plummeted after this movie. Really? Plummeted. Oh, yes. my gosh. That's hilarious. Yeah. My buddy, Chris Alexander, Patreon member, Chris yeah. Alexander, I can't tell you how many times I've ridden in the back of his blue station wagon. We call it the dragon wagon. <laughs> And it went right through his family. Like, mom had it, then it went to older brother, then it went to younger brother, you know, so he had to take dates and stuff out in the... Did you put gas in through the hood? <laughs> uh, no. I can remember having a car. One of the cars we had growing up, you had to pull down the, yeah. the license plate in the back to be able to get to the... I think it was a Chevy Caprice. Interesting. 1976 Chevy Caprice. Hey, you know that scene with Chevy Chase? where he grabs the license plate and like flings it over his head. <laughs> yeah. He almost drills that lady. Uh -huh, yeah. And she was not expecting that that came way closer than he intended it to be. <laughs> awesome. Okay, you want to talk music? Let's talk music. There's some, both of these movies have some incredible songs in the movies. And number one, out of the gate, we got to talk about the vacation song, Holiday Road. Holiday Road.
this doesn't put you in a happy mood, then you're you're a lost cause, right? This is a perfect song for this movie. It is, and and what's great is that Lindsay Buckingham had no idea about what the movie was really about, other than a family going on vacation. Right. And he writes this song, and it fits so perfectly with the events of the movie that it was like. He telepathically knew how things were going to go. Well, he had seen some Harold Ramis movies, so he knew, okay, it's lighthearted, it's whimsical, it's funny. Yeah. It's fun, it's a road trip. Yeah, Harold Ramis approached him specifically for this. He's like, I need you. They had just finished uh, Mirage, Fleetwood Mac. In case in case you guys aren't familiar, the song Holiday Road is by Lindsey Buckingham, who is one of the original members of Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac had just finished with Mirage, and Harold Ramis comes up and says, hey, I need, I would love for you to do a couple of songs for this movie. And he does. He does, too. The other one is the Dancing Across the USA. Great song. Another great song. Hey, um, let me back you up, though. Yeah, go ahead. He didn't go to Lindsey Buckingham and say, I want you to write two songs for me. He went to Fleetwood Mac through Lindsey Buckingham oh, okay. and said, hey, Fleetwood Mac, very popular right now. They just came out with this incredible album that had Hold Me and Gypsy, I mean, well-known stuff from the 80s. And Lindsey Buckingham's like, well, we're not really speaking right now. <laughs> <laughs> they were in a bit of a turmoil at that point. Well, in history, gosh, yeah. I mean, they all had relationships within the band. I mean, yeah. Christine yeah. McVie and John McVie and Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. Yeah. And then Stevie Nicks with Mick, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of intermingling. And so Lindsey Buckingham's like, how about I do the two songs? Right. Well, then that... And he nailed it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't realize this. I was looking at personnel on Holiday Road. Yeah. It is Lindsey Buckingham singing, Lindsey Buckingham guitars, Lindsey Buckingham bass, a Fairlight drum machine, and that's the end. Like, he did... Everything wow. except for the drum machine. Does he do the dog at the end of it barking? Well, so that was the part. That was the part. They were like, how did you know about the dog? And he's like, I don't, I just thought a dog would be funny. <laughs> Deacons. <Yeah>. Deacons <laughs> is in the song. Yeah. No, just, he had no idea. He just was like, well, it's supposed to be funny. So a dog barking is funny. Genius. It's, it's crazy. Perfect. It is crazy. Hey, I'll tell you this. That song is one of his most well-known songs. Yeah. It screams 80s to me. Like I associated it. Tremendously with this movie, peaked out at number eighty-two on the Hot One Hundred. I can't believe that that's as high as it got. What? And it was. It, I think it like would get these resurgence in popularity as because the, they would use it in the subsequent vacation movies, right? Yeah. And then they used it in the closing credits on National Lampoon's Drunk Stone Brilliant Dead, the story of Doug Kenny. Oh yeah, that's right. That we talked about quite a bit when we did our Caddyshack episode. Yeah. yeah. Hey, there's one more song I want to talk about real quick. First of all, before I leave this, Dancing Across the USA is the song they play at the end of the movie when they're riding roller coasters with Roy Wally and they're having a great time and then they're showing, I think they show postcards at the end of the movie and it's the culmination of this road trip and absolute fun, wacky zaniness. The song fits perfectly there as well. Yeah. So, two home runs by Lindsey Buckingham, but the one song I want to bring up to you is a song called Little Boy Sweet by June Pointer. Like, what the heck happened? Because it's been 
a long, long time since I've seen this movie. Right. Like, I, I probably, I saw it in 1983. Yeah. And I probably have seen it maybe once or twice since then. Oh, really? Okay. And I watched this last time. I'm like, I thought this was I'm So Excited that played in this part. Yeah. And it's not. And then I was like, oh, but it was. Okay, tell me that story. So, I'm so excited by the Pointer Sisters. Yes. The scene, I mean, the scene where Christy Brinkley is dancing around, drinking her pop or whatever it is that she's drinking. And Clark is making dancing moves with the sandwich. With and- the bread, yes. <laughs> M- making love motions with the peed, the dog pee bread. <laughs> Sing the bread, and yes. Yeah, so originally, that was, I'm so excited by the Pointer Sisters. What happened? I don't know. Just when, I guess when the DVD came out or the Blu-ray or something, somewhere in the line oh, of things, really? they changed that song. Oh, you're blowing my mind. Really? So in the original, like theatrical version, it's I'm yeah. So Excited? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Which is by the Pointer Sisters. And then they replace it with this song that you're talking about called Little Boy Sweet, which has a similar beat to it. It's and very it's by, nearly the same song. It's by June Pointer, who right. is one of the Pointer Sisters. Yes. It's yes. crazy. See, whenever time I hear that song, I'm looking for a beautiful woman in a red Ferrari. Yeah. I love it. I, I think they nailed the music in, in Vacation. Yeah, so they've a couple of the other ones that you might know is Mr. Blue by the Fleetwoods. No relation to Fleetwood Mac, just an odd coincidence there. Okay. And then you've got the Ramones singing the Blitzkrieg bop, which is the, hey, ho, let's go. That one, I love it. Yeah. I love it, right? That's the part where Clark and Ellen are singing Jimmy Cradcorn and I don't care. Yes, and yeah. the kids are like, ah, putting their headphones on. Forget this, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. So the the composer for this movie is a guy named Ralph Burns who had done other movies. He did the music for Lenny with uh, Dustin Hoffman in it yes. and Valerie Perron. There you go. Yeah. Yep. And he did the music for All That Jazz and he did the music for Urban Cowboy, which we've had a guy who who said this is the best movie soundtrack shout out to my high school buddy jay reed who hit us back when we were talking about greatest soundtracks of all time he's like no 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 you guys have got it all wrong it's urban cowboy there the argument definitely can be made for sure like especially that time in history i mean yeah knocked it out of the park it is hall of fame country artist after hall of fame country artist plus the eagles (laughs) (laughs) right Okay, so switching gears back over to The Great Outdoors, our composer on this one is a guy named Thomas Newman, who we have talked about before. He was the composer on The Lost Boys. Really? Yes, brother of Randy Newman. What? You got a friend of me, baby. I I just, this dude is, I mean, he's huge. He, he did The Shawshank Redemption, if I can bring it back again, Another crossover to Shawshank Redemption, but he's he's done a ton of stuff. He's done less than zero. Lost Boys, as I mentioned, Jumpin' Jack Flash, Gung Ho, Real Genius. I mean, the man with one red shoe. Tom Hanks, a- right? <laughs> yeah. Early Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah. Not the best Tom Hanks movie, but I mean, hey, I guess it the soundtrack was all right. definitely is not the best Tom Hanks movie. <laughs> but again, the kind of just loose background music, not really a score that you're listening to. But we've got all kinds of fantastic stuff in the soundtrack as far as songs go. Like we mentioned last time, you got them coming in singing Yakety Yak. Two 1988 movies where Yakety Yak plays a major part in the early scenes of the movie. We had twins. And then we've got the family singing Yakety Yak by the coasters. And then we had a Land of a Thousand Dances. Everybody remembers that part. It's where they're all dancing around singing the song by Wilson Pickett. Great scene. 
Uh, but what's interesting about this is they pulled in some songs by the Elwood Blues Review. Elwood Blues? Elwood Blues. You got it. So literally Dan Aykroyd's character from the Blues Brothers, that band that was the original Saturday Night Live band for the most part, they come in, they've made their their spinoff band from the Blues Brothers, and they have several songs on this, or at least a couple of songs on this soundtrack as well. That's uh, fun. That's really see. cool. You got Drag Boat, where Dan Aykroyd is singing his Elwood Blues, and then you've also got a song called Hip Hug Her. Hip Hug Her. Right. Uh this one is by the Elwood Blues Review as well, but you've really just got the members of the band. You don't have Elwood Blues singing. You've got Steve Cropper, you've got Booker T. Jones, you've got Donald Duck Dunn, um, which you, if you've seen the Blues Brothers, he's the, his only line is, if the shit fit, swear it. Like, <laughs> We're getting the band back together. We're on a mission from God. So again, another great soundtrack of songs. Yeah, Okay. I wanted to bring up just a few of the funniest scenes in both of these movies yeah. that we can talk about. And then I've got a few tidbits and then what? Ju- Final judgment, I guess, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Okay. Let's stay with The Great Outdoors for just a second, okay? Okay. Some of the funniest scenes, I think, are uh, you've got the part where the guy is struck by lightning. Six times. Sixty-six. In the head. <laughs> 66 times. God, that's got to hurt. <laughs> okay. And then you also have the bat scene where the bat gets into the cabin. John Candy goes in there. He's like, no, no, I've got this. Everybody calm down. I'm going to take care of this problem. And then he comes out. He's like, it buzzed me. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, this scene reappears in Christmas Vacation with the squirrel. 100%. It's the same scene. It is the same scene. And you know what? It's not the only scene that we duplicate for one of these movies. Yeah. We'll talk about that here in just a second. Okay. The scene with the old 96er. Uh, What's the old 96er? Oh, that's our world-famous Paul Bunyan's Blue Ox Steak. It is a 96-ounce prime-aged beef steak. And if you or any member of your party orders the old 96er and finishes, everybody eats for free. Ah. (laughs) Is like my my favorite, favorite, right? Oh, it's, it's absolutely the most memorable scene. And it became a thing. Like, I don't know that it was anywhere, like, having these kind of outrageous things to eat and then you get a free meal, t-shirt, right. whatever. Yeah. I don't think it became as much of a thing until this movie. Yeah. And then, oh, God, I mean, all that's left is the fat and the gristle. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been to the uh, Big Texan in Amarillo? No. I have eaten there, and they've got it on display when you walk in. It's actually 72 ounces, and it okay. looks like a cow's left butt cheek. Wow. It's it's massive. Okay, another one of my favorite scenes from The Great Outdoors. I don't know how they got this bear to do this thing, but when he's jumping up and down on the door with John Candy (laughs) underneath, that is a scream, man. Yeah, yeah. And he is just riding that door. And, of course, John Candy is is so funny. You bastard. (laughs) You bastard. I think he said go faster. Go faster. Go faster. Dude, <laughs> that, that was funny. That's hilarious. Yes. The that water skiing scene is funny. Because he's just finished saying, what do you do when you're in trouble? You let go of the rope and not once. Right. Not once. And then he waves and faints in the water. Oh, my gosh. I was dying. Hey, first of all, I, I know it's a joke, but nobody ever starts 
on the dock holding the rope <laughs> while your stupid idiot brother is at the controls of the uh, suck my wake. Yeah. And then the fun, the part that I may have laughed at the hardest, and I, it's a cheap thrill. I get it. But the first time I saw this, when they shoot that bear in the butt with a shotgun and it blows his butt bear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I laughed. I laughed hard. Uh, the first time I saw this, I thought that was hilarious. And then the closing dance scene is a great fun. It's like the end of Footloose, right? Yeah. It's all about having fun and dancing and all that stuff. That one is very, very Blues Brothers. Like, they just break into song and everybody's just singing and dancing and having fun. I love it. There's a lot of closing credit scenes in John Hughes movies that are a lot of fun. I'm sorry. I got to run use no, the bathroom right. real quick. I'm going to I'm gonna introduce Mr. Thick Dick to Mr. Urine, okay? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, we could not leave the great outdoors without saying that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's bad, bad, inappropriate. I apologize. Please forgive me. Okay. All okay. right. Are we going back to vacation now? We are. But before we do, I just want to say the raccoons in the trash scene. You hate. I, I don't. I don't think that's you, funny at all. I think I, that's I, dumb. You have had an issue with chipmunks since episode <laughs> one of this true. show. That's I true. don't know what your deal is, that's dude. True. I mean, you, you need to find some Alvin love. The chipmunks singing back up for Michael Jackson have just <laughs> tainted it for me. Okay, uh, so let's talk about the funniest stuff from the movie National Lampoon's Vacation. Well, I'll tell you something. This is no longer a vacation. It's a quest. It's a quest for fun. I'm going to have fun, and you're going to have fun. Okay, this is going to be hard. For National Lampoon Vacation, there are so many funny scenes. It'll like, be- literally, they string it together from the opening scene all the way to the end. Exactly. Funny scene after funny scene after funny scene. Yeah. So you start with the first one where Clark pulls up to pick up the Antarctic Glue Super Sports Wagon, and you know what? It didn't come in. Dad, this is not the car you ordered. Take it easy, Rusty. Ed, uh, this is not the car I ordered. And you have the sleaziest car salesman of all time, Eugene Levy. I thought this was interesting. Eugene Levy thought, hey, I was in this movie. It's doing really well. It's fun. And David Letterman brought it up when he was talking to Chevy Chase about the movie. He said, David Letterman's like, how about that car salesman at the beginning? That was so funny. Eugene Levy almost fell out of his chair. He's like, he's talking about me. Nice. I thought that was really cool. So that's a funny scene. Yeah, Eugene Levy had been in with John Candy. He had been in SCTV, SCTV right? SCTV with yeah. John Candy. That's correct. Yep. The scene went early on. Clark is trying to talk Ellen into performing a sexual act in the car with the kids, right? <laughs> My it's, head's stuck. <laughs> it's so friggin' funny. Uh. And then, and that's why one of the reasons... I'm showing my cards here a little bit. <laughs> Vacation is just a little bit naughty, a little harder edged. Yeah. Which makes it that much more hilarious with the payoffs and stuff. Well, I mean, when they go into what, what south side of Chicago, where the where do they go off the road in the wrong place? Is it Detroit? It's St. Louis. Oh, St. Louis. Yeah. That's right. Okay, so they go off. Honky lips. <laughs> <laughs> there is no way. I mean, you're not getting away with that in a movie today. That's not. I know. But, I mean, uh, you know, excuse me, could you please tell me how to get back on the expressway? F*** no mama. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> hey, I saw, I saw Harold Ramis talk about this. He said every scene that had a cuss word in it, yeah. they had to do an alternate scene without cuss words, right? Okay. So the alternate scene to that very word right there, the guy says, what do I look like, Christopher Colombo? And I'm like, no, the F word is worse, uh, much better there. Jeez. 
But the scene I wanted to bring up to you is when he is trying to romance her panties off uh-huh. and with the vibrating bed and the champagne. And, of course, the bed goes haywire like the entire trip is going haywire. But Ellen, being a good wife, is still up for, you know, whatever. Let's just pull the, you know, the bedspread off and put it on the floor. All right. The kids come in because of the racket that's happening. And they're like, where's mom? And he goes to, like, thumb, like, she's in the other room. <laughs> I'm down here. I'm down here, kids. <laughs> Go back to bed. Uh, hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> also, he's got her panties on his on his thumb, and she <laughs> rips it off. The scene when they go to Dodge City. Hey, underpants, move your chicken wings, turkey. All that's improv. All that's, that's Chevy great. Chase gold. That's great. Hey, tenderfoot, move your chicken wings, turkey. <laughs> Clark, that's not nice. It's all part of the act, huh? <laughs> hey, underpants, hey. Yellow. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm all right. So I'm, I'm going to throw back. This is a personal story, right? Yeah. You got me into running back in 2008. Yeah. I mean, a long time ago, right? Right, right. And so I kind of ramped up suddenly and did a marathon within a few months after we started running together. That's true. true and story. at mile 15 of the run we go off off road onto what i can just describe as a walking trail yeah it goes by this lake and at some point you know my kids and my wife would drive to different spots and they would wave and yeah and and be filming and all this other stuff <laughs> and and at that point they had arrived at this place again and they're like yay dad and i'm like i proud of you honey and i start doing these like big kisses like i'm totally hamming it up and I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing. And mile 15, my ankle goes off the edge of this trail, and I face first plant onto the gravel. I remember that, yes. And I totally, I, I had it going through my head. I jump up like Chevy Chase after the shotgun. I'm like, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Casey was like, move your chicken wings, turkey. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, we've, we've already talked about Dinky versus the bumper. With uh, the highway patrolman and Chevy Chase. And James blame Ke- this, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the single greatest line ever delivered in any Chevy Chase movie. But uh, the scene where he's making all the, the loving blow kisses to Christy Brinkley while you're, they're playing Little Boy Sweet. Yeah. And Beverly D'Angelo's like, the dog went on the picnic basket. And he's like, <laughs> spitting it out. And Ed End is like, eh, who cares? Whatever. <laughs> I'm hungry. I'll, st- I'll tell you a line that we still... My wife and I use this all the time. We were in Arizona. We went to the Grand Canyon not too many years ago. And we're driving around looking for the road to the Grand Canyon. And we could not help ourselves. We're like, don't think you're going to find the Grand Canyon on this road. And I'm like, it's only the biggest GD hole in the world. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly don't think you're going to find the Grand Canyon on this road. It's only the biggest goddamn hole in the world. Clark, watch your language. Make that the second biggest. And that scene where he jumps the family truckster? Yeah. Hey, Dad, you must have jumped this thing about 50 yards. Ah, it's nothing to be proud of, Rusty. 50 yards. So the interesting thing is that was filmed in Monument Valley, which I was there in December. And it's another strange coincidence. I keep saying this. 
I don't go to movie locations, but with any which way you can and every which way it loose and vacation, of course, they shoot a lot of it in Colorado, which I go there a lot, in Arizona. Mm-hmm. The scene where they jumped the family's truckster, they had an, the old 80s-style stuntman who was like, I'm just going to put some knee pads on and jump this sucker. And they were talking about how far he's going to jump it, and he's like, put your money where your mouth is. I'm going to show you how far I can freaking jump this truckster. Oh, wow. And he jumped it exactly where he drew the line. Wow. Like everybody nice. was like, there's no way you're going to jump that far. And he's like, nice. let's see your cash. Well, and you've got after that scene, of course you have him walking through the desert, which is classic, a classic moment, right? Right. But then the mechanics. You pass a gas station every hundred Must yards. have manure for brains. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the uh, manure for brain mechanics, right? Yeah. Where Clark's like, how much is it? And they're like, how much you got, boy? Right. All of it. Right. What, what does your sheriff think about your business practices? And he pulls out his badge, right? <laughs> right totally right. screwed. Right. Okay, so one of those guys looks like Dermot Mulroney, but that's not him. Right. The other guy, the guy who's the sheriff, that's Mickey Jones. Yeah. Do you know who that is? I mean, I've seen him in a bajillion things. Right. But... He's He's been an actor, and he's been in a lot of stuff. Right. He played drums for Bob Dylan. Okay. What? He is a founding member of the first edition with singer Kenny Rogers. Well, throw back to our freaking Big Lebowski That's right. episode. Wow. That's right. That's awesome. Overall, Mickey Jones has played on 17 gold records in two decades of a musical career. Wow. Wow. And then he's playing the friggin' sheriff in uh in vacation. He was he was with Jeff Bridges in Starman too. He was the trucker in Starman. There you go. Okay. The scene that I really want to talk to you about, though, is the scene after Edna, of course, has died. Uh-huh. They drop her off at her son's house in Phoenix in the pouring rain. She can't be more than 100 pounds. <laughs> You're not going to put her on the roof. <laughs> uh, and then they go in the backyard, and he's like... You think he'll be upset? Why would he be upset to come home from vacation to find his dead mother on the porch? <laughs> And he's given that prayer. He's like, yay, though they walk through the Valley of the Canaanites. <laughs> give, her, give her a break, Lord. Yeah, and so he's, he's given this total half-butt prayer that he's trying to get on the road and get to Wally World. Yep. And, uh, of course, Beverly D'Angelo's like, Lord, we love this woman with all our hearts. She's like, let's not overdo it, Mom. So that scene is hilarious. Yeah. But when they drive off, they're in the car. And all this bad crap has happened the entire trip. And the family is basically like, we want to bail out. Right. We've had it. We can't take any more. And he slams on the brakes. And he turns to him and he's like, I think you're all effed in the head. Right. We're going to have so much effing fun. You're going to be whistling zippity doo out of your a-holes. Yeah. We're 10 hours from the effing fun park and you want to bail out. <laughs> right. Well, this is no longer a vacation. It's a quest. Right. It's a quest for fun. Yeah. You're going to have fun. I'm going to have fun. So that meltdown with the F-words yeah. is hilarious. Now, like I said before, they had to film an alternate version for TV. I've seen that version. It is not as funny. Shocking. Right. Here's the thing. John Hughes stole that exact scene and used it in another John Hughes movie. Can you name that movie? Christmas Vacation. I mean, I'll go with you on that, but that's not what I was talking about. Okay, what you got? It's the F-bomb tirade that Steve Martin does at the end of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. The, uh, uh, the, the 
rented car not being there that one tirade four effing wheels and a seat yeah right you're effed <laughs> right yeah so it just I, as i'm going through these i'm like man john hughes keeps stealing from himself but it's good every time. It's good every time, right? You see the character completely lose his mind. Yes. It's my assertion that The Great Outdoors is a complete thievery of vacation, and it's a reboot. Yeah. So we'll talk about Final Judgment here in a second, okay? And then one scene I wanted to talk about. Clark has had enough of Ellen, and he goes to the bar with the white shoes. I'm so glad that you said that. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I'm like, we cannot, we cannot leave this movie behind without talking about, this is crazy. This is crazy. He meets up with Christy Brinkley. He, I mean, dude, one little fight, and he is out trolling. <laughs> he is. He is trolling the water. She's the second down. woman he hits on in I the bar. I mean, third or fourth, maybe. <laughs> right. I mean, he's checking every single one of them out. One's not interested. The other one has a boyfriend. And finally, he bumps into Christy Brinkley, who he's seen this whole time. Yep. It creates this story about the, being the hotel owner. <laughs> what? Were you in the CIA? No, I was, but. I don't like to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to the pool. Yeah. Now then, here's the thing with Christy Brinkley. Yeah. She had been in Glamour magazines. She had been in Sports Illustrated swimsuit issues. Mm -hmm. I don't know if she'd been in music videos up to that point, but she was the it girl, every magazine, in a bikini, known to man. Harold Ramis is like, you got to be topless. And she's like, nope, not happening. And they're like, what are you talking about? You are half naked all the time. She's like, I have made a fantastic living by making people wonder what is underneath my bikini. And I am not showing it. And I thought, that's a shrewd business move by her. Good job. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're 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 trying to stare into the water the whole time she's in the pool when you think she's naked. Right. And you never see a thing. I mean, I, I still don't have a problem with Beverly Angelo going crazy a little bit later on. Exactly. exactly. But I mean she was just a she was a pool waitress, a waitress in the pool. I mean He was you, ordering some fish for you, you and Audrey. <laughs> you believe that, don't you, Russ? Oh yeah. You think mom's gonna buy it? <laughs> Good talk, Russ. <laughs> but here's the interesting thing. So for that scene, yeah. they compromise. Okay, well, fine. No no topless. you got to wear lingerie, though. Uh -huh. And she's like, okay, fine. Whatever. Sure. So one day, Harold Ramis, he's working. He's dealing with problems. He's directing people. He's dealing with, uh, you know, bursts of anger from Chevy Chase. And and he gets a phone call, and they're like, hey, you need to get down to wardrobe. And he's like, "What? what's going on at wardrobe? Like, what's the problem? Uh-huh. They're like, well, uh, we're working with Christy to help her pick her lingerie. He's like, yeah, I can do that. I'll be down there in just a second. <laughs> yeah. So I thought it was interesting. She would not take her clothes off. Yeah. I mean, good for her. I know. Good for her. Yep. Okay, D, I've got just a couple of tidbits I want to talk to you about from both of these movies. Okay. Let's do tidbits from the great outdoors first. We're glad you're home, honey. <laughs> Big Bear, Chase! Big Bear, Chase! What did he say? What? Big Bear, Chase me! <laughs> when John Candy showed up on set, he thought, hey, this is an outdoorsy movie. You know, we're going to be camping. So he had a beard. Oh, okay. And they showed up and they're like, not really sure about the beard. So they made him shave it. Right. So same thing with John Travolta and Urban Cowboy. He thought Cowboy I'm supposed to have a beard. Showed up with the beard. They're like, nope, nope. That's <laughs> why at the beginning of the movie you see him with the beard, and then he shaves it all off. Interesting. 
There you go. Okay. This movie took three weeks to film in late October and November of 87. Okay. So it's supposed to be summer, but really it's set in the fall. Okay. This was shot at Bass Lake Lodge in California. You know what else was shot there? No. The Star Trek where Kirk is climbing up the side of the yeah. cliff and then all of a sudden Spock is like levitating next to him. Star Trek Five, and, and they sing Row, Row Your Boat Around the Camp. <laughs> same, same lake. That was the worst of the Star Trek movies, but it came out in the summer of 89, uh, of which I'm planting my flag as the best year for movies in the 80s. Oh, wow. So, okay. All right. Now, I noticed this the other day when I was watching The Great Outdoors. Yeah. The scene where John Candy's character and Dan Aykroyd's character, Chet and Roman, are sitting there, and they're talking about, you know, what do you see out there? He's like, I see a business investment and uh, millions of acres of, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, what do you see? He's like, I see trees. (laughs) I see nothing but trees, right? Right. They're sitting there. They both have Star Wars glasses from Burger King back in the day. Yeah. Although I think... And looking at it, we decided that maybe it was Empire Strikes Back. One was Empire Strikes Back and one was Return of the Jedi. Ah, there you go. So there you go. So you noticed Star Wars cups. Yes. I noticed the beer. Okay. In the great outdoors, there are a ton of people drinking this beer called Point Beer. Okay. And you don't see it around here. This is a Wisconsin beer. It is made by Stevens Point Brewery, which is the fifth oldest continuously operating brewery, literally... Started in 1864 and sold beer to the Civil War troops. Wow. That's how old it is. And the third oldest privately owned brewery in the nation as well. Interesting. There you go. Okay. Do you know the name of the bear in the great outdoors? No. Bear's name is Jody. That is the worst name for a bear I've ever heard in my life. You know why I know that? No. Because the effing raccoons told me that at the (laughs) end in the closing credits. What? Yes. They said the bear's name is Jody? Jody. Okay. (laughs) All right. Okay, let's flip over to vacation. Yep. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. (sighs) Now then, I've already told you about the alternate cussing scenes, right? They always had to have something for television and almost always those cussing scenes don't work. Right. Now then, do you know who Clark and Ellen rent the tents from when they're in South Fork, Colorado? No. Brian Doyle Murray. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Eating the watermelons, sunflower seeds. What is he? Spitting yeah. something out. He's spitting watermelon seeds out. Yeah. Right? So they rent the tents from him. Yeah. Do you know where he shows up again in the vacation movies? He is the boss in Christmas Vacation who gets kidnapped by Cousin He's Mr. Shirley from Christmas Vacation. Shirley, you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. Chevy Chase actually adopted Dinky the dog after the filming of this movie. What? Yes. That is awesome. How about that? Yeah, that's a good one. So you're touching on a subject that I just wanted to cover real quick. We've got several vacation movies that come after this vacation. Yeah. You've got European Vacation. Yes. You've got Christmas Vacation. Yes. You've got Vegas Vacation. Yes. You've got some others that we don't probably even need to talk about. And then you kind of have this soft reboot where it's vacation, but with Rusty as the dad, right? Sucks. So going back to, let's say, the original four. Yes. You've got vacation, European, Christmas, and Vegas. Yes. Give me your, how they rank for you. Okay. Vacation number one, Christmas vacation number two. Although I am a strong apologist for my number three of European vacation. I think it's very funny. Okay. 
I don't hate it like most people hate it. Okay. And then Vegas Vacation is a is a distant fourth, but I still think it's very funny. Yeah. I love them all. I think they're all great. So Christmas Vacation, as I said, I, when we did our episode, it, I didn't even really like it that much the first time I saw it, but I've grown to love it so much. It is now my number one. Okay. Number two for me is national the original National Lampoon Vacation. Okay. Number three is going to be European Vacation, which I've seen maybe once or twice, if that. Really? Okay. And it, it, it's it's definitely a distant third. And then Vegas Vacation, I hate it. I saw it in the theater. What? I thought it was terrible, and I have not seen it again since. Now, I was talking to Arlen, our buddy Arlen, about this, yeah. and he was like, no, Vegas Vacation was and yeah. it's like Rusty meets the mobsters and it's like Jerry Weintraub is the mobster and it's yeah. he, and I'm like I don't remember any of that so I may need to go back and give Vegas Vacation a try to see if it's warmed up any for me I think it's great I think there are some real funny moments yeah. when they're at the dam and Cousin Eddie's like where's the damn bathroom <laughs> <laughs> that takes care of tidbits for me from vacation okay so one last tidbit for me yeah John Hughes last directed movie was Curly Sue. He didn't do, I mean, he didn't really do anything for the rest of his life. He tragically died at the tender age of 59, I think, in 2009. Very young, yeah. I, I, I have to wonder if that hadn't happened, if he would have ever come back and started doing stuff. I don't know what it is that led him to stop doing movies altogether, but he did write some stuff but used a different name. Did you know this? No. What? So what? you know the movie Beethoven with the big St. Yes. Bernard that's pretty awful, yes. but like a John Ritter movie, right? Pretty well known. Yeah. He wrote that under the pseudonym Edmund Dantes. Dantes from freaking The Count of Monte Cristo. Very good. That was my, I was going to say, do you know? And there you go. Wow. That was, that's the character. He took the character's name from the Count of Monte Cristo, and that was his pseudonym whenever he would write. You are blowing my mind. There you go. Okay, you ready for final judgment? I'm ready for final judgment. Okay, let's go. You go first. Me go first? You go first. We know what you're going to do already, so you go ahead and go first. This is the biggest mismatch we've ever had here at the Shirley Can't Be Serious podcast. National Lampoon's Vacation has hilarious scene after hilarious scene after memorable line. After I'm not going to sneeze. I'm over here trying to restrain myself from talking while you, okay. you make a statement like that. But go ahead. Literally one of the funniest comedies of the 1980s. Uh-huh. And then you have The Great Outdoors that is inferior in every way. It's way less funny. The characters are way less funny. The story has already been told. I, I don't like to rain on my man John Hughes because I love John Hughes. But it's a forgettable comedy. And National Lampoon's Vacation is one of the greatest comedies of the year. Landslide for Vacation. Okay. Are you finished? Uh, yes, go. Okay. We did Groundhog Day versus Multiplicity. And you're <laughs> telling me that this is the biggest... Biggest... Landslide? Biggest gap between the two movies we've you're done You're out so of far. your freaking mind. Okay. You're out of your freaking mind. I am not going to... I, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share right off. I am not going to come out here and say that The Great Outdoors is better than National Lampoon Vacation. But I'm going to say it's freaking close. This is a good matchup. 
This The Great Outdoors is a hysterical movie. It's one of John Candy's best. It's one of Dan Aykroyd's best. You've got Suck My Wake. You've got the old <laughs> 96er. You've got all of these iconic scenes. You've got great acting. Annette Bening's debut. You've got the, the skiing scene. You've got the bear scenes. This is a fantastic movie. For you to say that it is the biggest landslide, the biggest mismatch we've ever had is outrageous. Okay. You are not wrong about your pick. Vacation is a better movie, but it is close. And there would be days that I would, if you said pick one of these, I would pick The Great Outdoors. Oh, my God. There would be days. There would be days that I'd pick Vacation. There would be days that I'd pick The Great Outdoors. They are both fantastic movies, both worthy you saying that there's this is the biggest mismatch we've ever had <laughs> is ridiculous, but I don't disagree with your pick. It is Vacation that is the better movie. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, let me ask you this. Yeah. Rank the three Harold Ramis movies that we've covered so far. National Lampoon's Vacation. Yep. Groundhog Day. Multiplicity. Caddyshack. I was going to say, yeah, them. four. So Multiplicity is by far the worst, okay. right? It's it's It's... It was not good. It is a bad movie. I, I'm standing on that. It's a bad movie. I'm gonna. You heard my feelings now. Well, <laughs> you got it coming, Mr. Great Outdoors. <laughs> um, so then you've got uh, Harold Ramis. You've got uh, got, you got Caddyshack. You got Vacation. You got Groundhog Day. You got okay. Multiplicity. Okay, so so it's gonna go. So Multiplicity is the worst. Then you've got Vacation. Number three. Vacation is number three. Okay. Caddyshack, I'm going to watch before I watch Vacation. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And number one is Groundhog Day. I love Groundhog Day. Top of the list for me. Wow. For sure. Wow. Yeah. How about you? Number one, Vacation. Okay. Best Harold Ramis movie ever. Wow. Then Groundhog Day. Then Caddyshack. Okay. Then Multiplicity. Wow. And I love Caddyshack, but Vacation is the best, man. It's so, so funny. So let's, I mean, just because you've said this, Absolute nonsense. I'm gonna I gotta ask this question. What? Multiplicity or the great outdoors? Which one is multiplicity every day of the week? You are out of your frigging mind. That you is such out an of e- your mind. No, oh Michael Keaton gosh. or Dan Aykroyd? I uh, people, you you should come and and denounce Jason right now for <laughs> what he is saying about the great outdoors. It is terrible. <laughs> well, we want to hear from you guys. How did we do? Where do you where do you weigh these two? I love the summer of 88. This one just didn't quite hit me. I think it's a sweet movie and it does give me nostalgic feelings. My family used to go to the lake. It's just not, not even close to as good as vacation. But if I'm wrong, I want you to come after me. You wouldn't know a good movie if it fell out of the sky, <laughs> landed on your face and started to wiggle, my friend. How about a Zagnut? Oh man. All right. Well, that wraps up this matchup. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter. Send us an email. Become a Patreon member. Next week, D, we are covering Cinderella's Long Cold Winter. Again, another album from the summer of 1988. Fantastic album. It's unbelievable. And then the week after that, we're going to compare it to Van Halen's OU812 album. And Hagar. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. From the summer of 1988. Yeah. That's going to be a great matchup. We've got some friends joining us for that. That'd be great. Come back next week. That great matchup. See you guys then. Thank you so much. Can't do it without you. See you next week. Bye, guys.